At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our series, Newish. Everything's changed. Have you? Where we're celebrating that in Christ, we have been given new life. The only question is, are you living it? Let's turn to Romans chapters 5 through 7 to decipher whether we're living in Christ's freedom or trapped in the patterns of our old life. So I got a question. How many, I'm not going to ask that. I was going to ask how many of you have been to the, well, let's go ahead and do that. How many of you, raise your hands, you've been to the UP? Raise your hands, you've been to the UP? That's what I thought. That's why it's such a dumb question, right? So I'm not going to ask that question. How many of y'all been swimming, not in the heated pool, but in the Lake Superior UP? You been, a lot less hands right there. All right, then you know, all of you, like the 30% of you who raised your hands just then, you know how shocking change can be, right? Because when you go swimming in Lake Superior, it's not like the heated pool's down here, right? We get in a heated swimming pool around here, and you go swimming, and you're like, the water's great. It's like 80 degrees. It feels fantastic. Lake Superior's not 80 degrees, right? So you get into that water, and it'll just take your breath away. Last time we were up, we were in this part. I don't remember even what town that was, but we had eaten, and then we went to this little park, and there's this pier. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, it's that place. Anyway, there was this, like, pier area, and there was this guy swimming, and he was not young. Like, I mean, he was not, like, 18-year-old guy or 22-year-old guy. He was a much, much, much older guy, and he looked happy as can be. And I'm like, hey, how's the water? And he said, it's refreshing. <laughs> yep. I bet it was. I bet it was refreshing. Let's take our Bibles, open up to Romans 6 today. Romans 6, verses 8 through 14 is where we're going to be. We're going to talk about this very thing. We're going to talk about how shocking oftentimes that transition, that time of transition of going from one thing to another thing of how shocking that can be to our systems. Like I think we expect that it's kind of basically going to be the same. Like last week we had baptisms, didn't we? And you saw these individuals, eight individuals, seven here, one at a lake after the service. These eight different individuals say, before my life in Christ, I was in sin. And when I go under the water, I am standing with Jesus in his death and his burial. When I come out of the water, I'm standing with Jesus in his resurrection. I am clothed with this new life. In fact, in the second service, there was a testimony where a young man said exactly that. He said, I feel like when I get baptized, that it is going to be like I come up out of the water and I have the jersey of Christ on. I am paraphrasing, so I'm going to goof up what he actually said. But he said something like, I'm going to be clothed with this jersey that's like Jesus on the back. I'm now in the family. I am now all in with Christ Jesus. I'm this new creation, right? That's that's incredible, and I think sometimes our expectation is, okay, now I got this. But it's not always that easy, is it? In fact, our big idea this morning is this, that sin is a power that's going to seek to master you. And so if you give your life to Christ today, if today is the day that you surrender to Jesus, you know what's going to happen tomorrow? You're going to wake up, and you're going to go to school, or you're going to go to work, or you're going to get up and start taking care of the family. Like, this is what we're going to do, right? We're going to get up and start to go through our rhythms of life. It's not like all of a sudden it's just like there's angels singing all around you all the time, right? That's not what happens, but I think that's what we expect to happen sometimes. So today was one thing, tomorrow is something else. How do we navigate that? How do we fight against that sin that wants to master you? That's what we're going to be looking at. Chapter 6 of Romans 
Starting in verse 8, we're going to look at how Christ will never die again. Paul writes this. He says, now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So Paul emphasizes a truth that he's emphasized in previous verses up to this point. I mean, this little section of Romans is just a gold mine of theology for us, right? Our thoughts on God and what we're seeing is that when Christ died to sin, when he conquered sin, we died with him. That's what we talked about all last week. And when Christ rose out of the grave, just the same, that's what that picture of baptism is, we rose with Christ as a new creation. But that's where the struggle is. Because that's not oftentimes what we live. What we live is, well, I was trapped in sin last week, right? I was trapped in sin last week. And now that I'm in Christ, I don't know that I've let all of that go. So I'm going to hold on to this, at least some of it. And I'm going to hold on to Jesus. So I'm new-ish. That's the title of this series, new-ish. That's oftentimes how we try to approach the Christian faith. And that's not the calling that we have in the gospel, We have this calling that the old self dies and there is a new life that we have in Christ. That's what Paul is emphasizing. Now, you all know that we have had people who have fought for our freedom as a nation, who are fighting right now, who have died for our freedom as a nation. But that freedom that we have as a nation, it's not guaranteed for all time, is it? It's a gift today. It's a gift that we have. The freedom that we have in Christ, church, is eternal. The freedom that we have in Christ is eternal. It's what Peter's talking about in 1 Peter 3.18. He says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the Spirit. You see, Paul longs for us to know what Peter's talking about. This freedom that we're supposed to have in Jesus. So maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Christ. Your life up to this point has been about what you can figure out, what you feel, what you think, what you... But, but it's all been based around you up to this point. Maybe today is that day that you surrender to Jesus as Lord and Savior. For those in here, which I know is most, for those watching online who have already surrendered your life to Christ, then you know what it's like. Right? We get, man, is that fog machine still going? We need to turn that off because it's... I'm getting choked up here. I can't even see y'all. I got to like sort through it all. <laughs> we need to plug that bad boy. Um, I don't even remember what I'm saying. When you surrender your life to Christ, all of a sudden it starts this new life for us. Right? It starts this new life. And so that's why we gather in life groups throughout the week. We gather in life groups to remind each other the truth that we're a new creation. That's why we're gathering. It's why we come in here on Sunday mornings. It should impact the way that we pray. It should impact the way that we sing. That's why we sing the songs that we sing. That Jesus, there is no name above the name of Jesus. We need to remind each other of that truth on a very regular basis, don't we? We need to remind each other that he is the cornerstone of our faith. That he is the rock of our salvation. We need to remind each other of these truths because sometimes life gets hard. Sometimes sin will start to rise its head trying to master you. And we need to remind ourselves that dead things are supposed to say dead in our lives. 
They're not supposed to continue to rise up again and again and again. It's why we share testimonies. It's so important for us to continue to hear and to share testimonies. Like a few weeks ago, if you guys remember, I had my friend Cody up here. Do you guys remember Cody? And um, Cody was up here, and he talked about how he had gone through cancer. And then he talked about how uh, one time was without Christ, and one time was with Christ, and the difference between the two. And he talked about this group of guys that he meets with on Fridays to encourage him. And then at the very end, he said, I I have a report. Right now, I'm cancer-free. And it was such a beautiful time of celebration. It was such a good time of celebrating. Well, church, uh, Cody's actually back. I've invited him to come up with me again today just to give an update. Will you help me in welcoming Cody up here to the front? Give me a hand, buddy. So, Cody, last time you were up here, you, um, you did, right? You talked about your faith journey. You were pretty transparent with everyone. Uh, you talked about the journey with cancer. Uh, you shared quite a story with us. So I'd love an update with, did we get you turned back on? All right, all the way up. Um, love an update on what's going on with cancer, what's going on with, with faith. I'd love just to hear an update from you. Yeah, so uh, a couple weeks ago, I... Uh, Got yet another blow, um, if I'm being honest, and I've been struggling with it. Um, I went back for my three-month scan after we had that amazing congratulations and uh, and needed congratulations. And uh, my cancer is back, um, and it seems to have came back with a vengeance. Uh, I have multiple tumors in my right pelvis, and... Uh, this time, the doctors have stopped talking about curing and more so prolonging, um, which has a different tone to it. Yeah. It makes it more real. Um, and it makes you come face to face with the inevitab- inevitability of death. And we are all sinners, and therefore, we, we all die. Um, but... In Christ, we, we live, and I find my faith and my hope in in Christ. I uh, the group of men that I'm with have uh, constantly reminded me the story of Job of though he slay me, yet I will trust in him, and that is uh, one of my strongest verses that I go to. Uh, though uh, I I might be weak. God is strong in my weakness, and my faith journey has been <laughs> has been under attack, as you said. When you become a follower of Christ, it doesn't just get hunky dory. It uh, <laughs> you're promised persecution and pain, not not just good times. Um, but in that persecution and pain, you can find hope, hope in Christ, hope in the everlasting, keeping my mind at least off of the things of this world but of the things above which is where my hope is and that's where it should be and that's where I want it to be uh, I have two young kids that are two and three almost three and four and uh, letting go of my will for them I want them to be saved I want to be here to save them but letting go and saying that that is God's doing, that's not my doing. It's 
letting go of my aspirations, what I want, and I'm a slave for Christ. It's not about what I want, it's about what Christ wants. And like I said, it, uh, <laughs> this week was the first week back on chemotherapy. I wasn't actually sure if I'd be able to make it up here today. I was again struggling this morning, but um, God's given me the strength and thank you for letting me up here. You know, Cody, I am, um, I'm not even going through it and I'm just standing here. I got to tell you, I, I just feel as you're sharing, everything in me just tightens. I'm thinking, okay, I've got to stay focused because I've got to talk. And um, I just imagine everyone sitting here is probably thinking the same thing. Like, yeah, if I heard that news, I'd probably be pretty mad or pretty sad or um, I don't think there's anything in you that's like throw in the towel guy. That's just not you. Um, I, I, but I'm sure there's some who would say, you know what, I would be so done with this, you know, whatever. And so I just, can you talk to us about the strength that you have? Because you're still meeting with the guys. You're still working on taking care of yourself. Like, just talk to us about that, that strength. Yeah, the strength is not for me. I get people all the time, Cody, you're the strongest guy I know, and that is a blatant lie. It's not me. It's it's Christ. It's God. It's my family. It's my friends. It's my men's group. They push me. They push me towards the gospel of Paul when he asked God three times to take it, his pain off. And that's I compare myself to that. My cancers came back three times. God's grace is sufficient for me. And the strength he gives me. He has me right here, right now, to whether it's to speak to this congregation or to display his strength in my weakness. It's, it is not easy. <laughs> uh, many times I sit there and I do go, God, it, it is much better to be with you, Christ. Um, every night before bed lately, it's, uh, you know, if this is your will, I'm more than happy to go. And that makes you kiss your kids a little bit extra. One, one last question. Um, thank you for doing this, by the way. So it's one thing when people see me week after week, stand up here and things are going great. And um, so to say, hey, have faith in the Lord because things are great. And uh, I, just, I think the thing is, buddy, there's, there's people out here right now where life is great. Their team won yesterday. Work is going well. It's funny how all of a sudden that doesn't sound the same when you're battling cancer. You're like, my team won what? <laughs> um, but right? I mean, just it feels like everything's going really, really well. And there's people that really identify with your testimony right now because they're going through things that are unthinkable and unspeakable. And, but I think most of us, we're something in between those two. Like I can say like, well, things have been better in life and things have been worse in life. It's hard not to say worser. I always joke around home and I say it's worser, but I'm working on myself right now. Uh, but, but like most of us, we're something kind of in between those two, those two rails, right? So for me to say when things are good, have faith, sounds like one thing. I just want to give you the opportunity to encourage your church family. As a guy who's going through the unthinkable, what would be your encouragement to the church? Christ, Christ is the encouragement. Again, keep your mind on things above, not on things of this world. When you're blessed enough to be in the position that I am in, it gives you perspective of what matters. And what matters is nothing on this earth. You want to spread the gospel, and then we want to go home. 
that is the only encouragement we need. And just yeah. keep your mind on Christ. Don't lose sight of Christ. It's <laughs> anytime I lose sight of Jesus, the world comes crashing down on me, and it's <laughs> it's unbearable. So please keep that perspective of what matters, and yeah. it's Jesus at the end of the day, all day, every day. Yeah. 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 Father, I do thank you for my brother and um, Lord, the strength of his testimony that it's in Christ. And it's only in Christ that we find salvation, that we find strength, that we find hope, that we find refuge. Lord, I thank you for the encouragement that he's been to me through this season, how um, challenged I've been just through his faith and his walk. Lord, I pray for the church family, that we have ears to hear, that our hearts are open to the movement of the Holy Spirit this morning. Lord, I pray for Cody, that as he's walking through this journey, you continue to give him strength and perseverance. In those hard times, Lord, where he's focused on the unthinkable, where he's thinking about his kids, where he's thinking about his own self, Lord, I just pray that you continue to give him the strength to continue with his eyes focused on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. My hope is as we continue to come together, church, as we continue together, that what we do is we seek to encourage one another when things are good, when there's trials. Let's not be afraid to be an encouragement to others even in the trials. And let's not be afraid to let others be that encouragement even in the trials. Let's go back to the word, Romans 6, 11. Paul says, so you must also consider yourselves. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions because that's what happens, right? Whether you're just going along and things are really, really good, the tendency is to say, look what I did, and then sin will start to rise up. Or when things are cruising, you start to become complacent. It's not that one is easier than the other for sin to start to rise up, right? You start to become complacent. You become complacent in your quiet time. You become complacent in joining with biblical community. You become complacent in your church attendance, and all of a sudden, sin will start to rise up its head. Or when things get challenging, and you're facing the unthinkable. It's easy for sin to start to rise up to say you need to just let go of your faith because look how worthless that is. It's all about this. Our expectation is that it's going to be like a helicopter ride, isn't it? We think that faith in Jesus is I surrender to Jesus. I'm this helicopter that takes off and goes straight up and now I've arrived. Now I'm there. That's not real, is it? Your right standing with God is like that. You surrender to Jesus, you get a right standing with God instantly. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, you get this right standing with God. But your faith journey is different. Your faith journey is it's like the geese out back. They weren't there this morning, which is so funny because they've been there every morning. Every morning there's been, I don't, what do you call a bunch of geese? A flock, thanks. Okay, whatever. I was going to say a flock. I should have done that, a flock of geese. 
course it is. A, a, a gaggle of geese? I don't know, an armada of geese? Uh, whatever. So we have during the week normally lots and lots, not like one or two families of geese, but we're talking gobs of them. How about that? Gobs of geese. Gobs of geese everywhere. And they do geese things, right? They eat and whatever, and they go swim in the retention pond, and they, they're just hanging out and they're happy as can be. But periodically what will happen, they'll start to pop their heads up, and they look really concerned about the world, and they do their little, th- you've seen them, right? They do their thing where they start to run real fast, and they start to flap their wings, and then off they go. They don't helicopter. They don't go straight up. No, they kind of take off, and they start going, church, that's what our faith journey's like. That's what we do, right? Our, our journey is a journey towards Christ-likeness, but it's a journey. So imagine with me that someone is old. I mean, like so old, like 40. <laughs> and they give their life to Christ, right? They surrendered their life to Jesus as an old person. So they've gone week by week, month by month, year by year. They've been making this journey through life where it's all about them. Whatever they want to do, they do. Whatever they want to think, they think. They just, it's all about them. But they hit this point of going, that's going to end in destruction. This is going nowhere. For 40 years, I've tried it my way, and it hasn't worked. You know what Cody has? I want that. And so they surrender their life to Christ. Well, everything up to that point goes in volume one of their book, and it goes on the bookshelf. Volume one is that everything that's happened up to that point that's all about them is volume one. Then starts immediately, helicopter, Volume two. Now, volume two is that goose taken off, right? Volume two says there's going to be days that go great. You get up, you do your devotions, you're focused on the Lord. Church was incredible. You, you worship God together. You met in your life. It was just awesome, right? So good. And then all of a sudden, sin, which is trying to master you, starts to pop up a little bit. And you get distracted. And then you go, I can't believe I got distracted. What was I thinking? I was starting to drift. What was I doing? But notice everything in volume two is focused on the Lord. Everything, Jesus Christ is the center of your life with everything in volume two. So are you in volume one or volume two? How are you living life right now? Volume one will look like this. Someone hurt me. And I'm mad. I'm so stinking mad. Like, they hurt me for real. Or they hurt someone I care about. So I'm going to hold on to this grudge. And I'm going to try to hope that the Lord will use me to get them. That's what I'm going to do. I'm gonna, that's volume one. Volume two life looks different. It's where you read through the word and you say that Jesus said, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. My words have to be the words of Jesus. This isn't mine to hang on to. I have to let go of this. I have to live as Christ, with the mind of Christ. Volume one is going to be all about what you can consume. This is what I want. This is what I think. This is what I need. Me, me, mine, mine. And then all of a sudden you go and you read the word of God and you see that Jesus says that man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. And that's what starts to consume you. So you can't help yourself. You start to study the word of God. You start to listen to the podcast throughout the week or maybe other sermons. You get together with your life group, but you're just so consumed with wanting to consume his word. Volume one, volume one is going to say it's okay to be critical and cynical and maybe even a little judgmental people you don't agree. You know, those people like those liberal Christians, like people like that, you know, those people, or those people politically who are on that side, you know, those, whoever those people are in your life, 
You know what volume one looks like? Open up Facebook, you'll see. Twitter's worse, right? Open it up, look what people say about each other. That's what volume one looks like. Or it's when you start to call different family members to let them know how that one family member's really acting and behaving, and you want everybody to know it. That's, that's volume one. Volume one is when you get to work and you see that one person who sticks out and they're, they're not like they ought to be. And so you're just going to make sure everyone at work knows about that person. So it's going to position you to get higher. Volume one, a little cynical, a little critical, a little judgmental. Volume two, volume two is going to push you in a different direction. Volume two is where you read the words of Jesus who said the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He said the mouth only speaks what fills the heart. Well, if we have the mind of Christ, then we're filled with the fruit of the Spirit. So the mouth is going to speak in a way that is full of joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and self-control. That's what's going to be coming out of you as fruit if it's volume two. Let's finish up with verse 13. It says, Don't present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. He says our minds, our bodies, our mouths, our hands, church are not meant for sin. They're meant, as Paul would say, as instruments of righteousness to glorify God. That's what they're to be used for. And then he says, this isn't about law. This is about grace. Let me tell you what law says. Law is going to say, oh, sin started to rise up in your life. Well, you know what? You are judged. You were condemned. You're a failure. You're a mess up. You might as well just throw your faith out the window because you can't do it anyway. Grace, period, is different. Grace says, you're a new creation. You're loved. That is not your identity. You're no longer a slave to sin. You are now a child of the Most High. That's what Grace says. I mentioned before, I grew up in Inola, Oklahoma. Inola, Oklahoma is that hay capital of the world. Hay, like what cows eat, not, hey, how you doing? Not, not that kind of hay, but the hay capital of the world. And uh, so every, you know how like Romeo does like that peach thing, you know, and you got the parade and all the vendors are going to come in. They're going to sell their wares and do all that sort of thing. There, there's none of that kind of stuff in Inola. No, they have a skillet toss. There's one of those during the heydays. They have an arm wrestling competition. That happens. There's a hay bale toss where they put like the high jump pole up, you know, and you got to throw the hay bale over the hay toss. They have that. Cow pie bingo. They, they have... Three of you laughed, so the rest of you have no idea what I'm talking about, or everyone would laugh. Let me explain cow pie bingo real fast. You're going to be so blessed by this. So when someone says, hey, what was church about? You're going to go, cow pie bingo. That's what you're going to say. So what they do is they take a big field, and they march it out like a bingo board. Like, that's what they do. They just bingo board it. And then you have to, like, put bets on where the cow's going to go. Yeah, cow pie bingo. So weird. Someone said earlier, I was telling about Cal Fi Bingo, and they said, okay, I grew up in the country, but we weren't that country. Yeah, Inola is that country. And so they'd have outhouse. They don't do this anymore, but they used to do outhouse races where they put an outhouse on, like, wheels, like tires, and they'd, like, race them down the hill. That's weird, right? Why would they do that? 
And they would also have this thing where they would take these old junkers, these old cars. They also don't do this, but they used to. They get these old junkers, and they get it running, and you put like a motorcycle helmet on, and they would crash up derby, like for real. Like they would just bash into each other, be bashing into everybody until there's one car left going, you know, and it didn't even have to be going very good. But last man standing, you know, if he's kind of, which is so sad. Because even if you're the last man standing, like, your car's so messed up, it's done. you're taking it right back to the junkyard. You know, that's what you're doing with it. I actually like Michigan's way of it way better. You see, Michigan's way, some of you have even been part of this process. You're driving down the road, and you see this old junker, what looks like an old junker sitting on the side of the road. But it's not what you see, is it? You see the potential in that car. So you pull over, you talk with the owner, you strike a deal. You load that old car up on your trailer and you drive it home. And you put it in the garage or the barn and you step back and you look at it. And you're like, that's going to be something someday. And you roll up your sleeves and you start to work. And it's not going to happen in a day. It's not going to happen in a week. Probably won't happen in a year, but you're going to go to work. But the thing is, by the time you're done, people will line Woodward just to see the work that you've done just to hope they can get a glimpse of the car that you've been working on. They'll line up just to watch, won't they? You know, Jesus, Scripture says, has come to make us new, not newish. God is the potter, the Bible says. We are the clay. He's the potter, we're the clay, which means the Lord looks at us like a broken down, rusted out, sin-filled car. But when he looks at us, that's not what he sees. He sees something beautiful waiting there. He says, wait till I get done with you. He starts to work. Oh, when you surrender your life to Christ, you immediately have this right standing with God. You're part of the family. You're made new. Now walking out your faith towards Christ's likeness takes a season. Or three. And he starts the work of making you new. Some of you have never surrendered to life in Christ. You've continued to do it on your own. I hope the testimony that you heard today was a wake-up call to you. We don't have forever. Young, old, we don't have forever. But through our faith in Christ, we do. Through our faith in Christ, we do. Death is not the end. Friends, there's more waiting for us. But it's not just freedom for eternity. It's so that you can have freedom from sin right now today. So here's the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel is that God loves you. He so loves you. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We have missed the mark of holy. The wages of sin is death and eternal separation between us and God. Forever separated from God. That's the wages of sin. But even while we were sinners, even while God looked at you as this broken down, rusted out, he said, no, 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 I still love you. That's why Jesus came. And that's when Jesus came. And he did what you and I can't do. He lived a perfect and sinless life. You see, when Jesus went to the cross, he was paying for the sins of the entire world. All of the weight of the sin and the shame in that moment was paid on the cross. They placed him in the tomb. 
where he did not stay. On the third day, he conquered sin and death and rose again, never to die again, Paul says. See, sometimes I think we think we sin, so the Lord's going to need to die again for me because, man, I've really blown it this time. No, Paul says he died once and for all. It's done. It's paid for. Paid in full. You don't get a right standing with God because of what you can do. You get a right standing with God because of what Jesus has done. It's your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So in just a moment, I'm going to pray. If you've never surrendered to Christ, let today be your day. And for those of you who are Christians, I hope this testimony today has been such an encouragement to you. That we're going to continue forward with our eyes focused on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We're not going to look to the left or the right. We're not going to get distracted with sin because we're made new. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ, for the new life that we have in Christ. I pray for my brothers and sisters who are in this room or who are watching online right now, for those who are going through challenges. Maybe as Cody was sharing, there were people, Lord, who were thinking to themselves, I know what that feels like because I am in that pit right now. I'm facing uncertainty right now. I have questions in my mind and my heart right now. Lord, I pray this was an encouragement that we're not going to give up. We're not going to quit. We're going to continue to allow others to encourage us in Christ's likeness. Lord, to pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Sometimes that's a hard prayer to pray. Give us the courage and the confidence, though, to pray that way. And Lord, for those who've never surrendered to Jesus, I pray that right now is the moment. Lord, that they know that their whole life has been lived to get them to this point right here, right now. That they don't ignore the movement of the Holy Spirit in their lives right now. Lord, they don't ignore that gospel call as you are reaching out to them. I pray that they're able to respond and just to pray, God, I believe. I believe that you love me, that you sent Jesus for me because of my sin. I believe that Jesus lived and died and lived again, that he conquered sin and death. And I'm placing my hope and my faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Lord, thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for making me new and making me part of the family. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And amen. Church, let's not put off relationships. Let's not try to live a lone ranger Christianity. We need each other. Let's continue to worship together as we stand and sing. Let's stand. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.